Welcome to the 26th episode of All of the Above, a weekly podcast about design, code, and learning. Each week, an instructional designer, a user experience designer, and a software engineer take apart the world one topic at a time. My name is Brian Brush, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Sam Bantner, what up? and Sean Duran. This has been a lovely time together. Wait, uh, you made that sound like it was the end or something. Goodbye. Goodbye, Sean. <laughs> All right, well, I guess it'll just be Sam and I for this episode. Uh, I'm leaving, too. Oh. Are, are you guys all traveling somewhere? Uh, yeah, I got a, a flight to catch. Um, yeah, my bags are packed. Yeah, I don't have any bags. I just, I have to go. And I'm, I'm ready to go. Yeah, I've, I've actually never been more ready. I'm standing here. Well, before you guys go, let, let's try to crank out this show. So that you guys, okay. you guys can get on the road. Yeah, um, well, hold on. I just got to hop in a taxi. <laughs> okay. For those who can't already tell, I, th- I think my, my co-hosts are trying to point out the fact that this week's topic will be travel. Uh, uh, unless you read the name of the episode before you started pressing yeah, play. Yeah, then it was pretty obvious. Yeah. yeah. We just assume everyone blindly clicks on the, the show. Or everybody's yeah. blind. Or they, or well, I mean, voiceover. Yeah, you'd uh, actually, yeah, with voiceover, you would hear the title unless you were like really impatient, or you went the opposite way and you went from the bottom up, which would be interesting. Or if you just had an overcast playlist that we automatically pipe into, and then you wouldn't hear the show at all. Hmm. But anyways, so we'll be talking about travel, and sort of part of the reason that we picked this is. As may be evident, this episode came out just like a day or so late. Um, that's because Sam and I have spent uh, the past weekend with our friend John at the Nelsonville Music Festival. Um, and so we're a little bit late for that reason, since we're still recovering from the trip. Um, and we'll actually be going on another trip this week, this next weekend. So we figured this would be a good time to talk about travel since it's sort of a big point super fresh yeah it's a big point in our minds if you guys are ready i'm just gonna jump in and start kicking things off jump in and kick it off man mm-hmm. all right uh i wanted to consider how travel is possibly the best tool for education um so i've always found as many other people have that travels one of the best ways to learn like another language or about another culture and additionally, like um, you can always talk about a work of art or uh, like look at it through photos and videos, but it's never the same as actually traveling to a place and seeing it. Um, so seeing like Edward Hopper's Nighthawks in person for the first time was like a, a wonderful, amazing experience for me. And if I hadn't traveled, I would never have been able to have that experience and uh-huh. learn what it actually feels like to truly see the painting in person. Yeah. Did you take a picture? Uh, I, I did not. Oh. How are you going to remember it? Ooh, uh, we could talk about this for days. Yes. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I just remember it. I, I, I still have the ability to cognitively recall things. Oh, look at that. I cool. know. I'm glad. I'm glad. In researching this week's topic, I came across an article by Neith E. Headley. Headley might be her last name. And she discusses this sort of idea of the importance of traveling for education through this personal narrative about her travels in Europe. Um, And so during that time, she came to have a better understanding of other cultures and their perspectives on the world. And it made sort of some of the things that she had heard about a lot more clear to her. 
And while she was traveling, she also heard arguments from people all throughout Europe that travel is a crucial part of education for them. Hmm. Is it like a, it's like eat, pray, love, but like highbrow. Yeah. Less like a spiritualism and happy love, frou-frou. And at the end of sort of her travel, she started to argue that what's sort of considered the American approach to learning, which is accomplished almost purely through classrooms and books, is not necessarily a poor way to teach, but it shouldn't be the only way we teach. Oh, no, no. Yeah, and instead we should attempt to use books and classrooms as tools to supplement education experience through travel. And I agree with her pretty strongly, although that comes with like a great number of logistical challenges. So not everyone has the opportunity to travel. It can be expensive. It requires a lot of time. Permission slips. Like you'd have to get (laughs) so many parents signing so many permission slips. Yeah. And then you have unforeseen circumstances such as weather, which can make it difficult to coordinate. When I was supposed to travel to D.C. for school once, that was when 9-11 happened. So Hmm. we we got to go to Pennsylvania instead. You learned about compromise. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. We still went to D.C. though. So that was pretty great. That was ballsy. Yeah. You know, all them terrorists got to watch out. (laughs) Yep. Something I sort of wish we could see more of are educational institutions and organizations providing students with the opportunity to travel. And I don't just mean like study abroad programs, which are absurdly expensive for the student, but instead like a robust program that considers travel as an integral part of the curriculum. But with all that said, I wanted to ask each of you if you could share a travel experience that taught you something important about another culture or even about yourself. So Sean, do we want to start with you? Yeah, we can. So I did a more American travel, you know, the heartland, get my uh, blue blood. America. Yeah. Have, have you heard the new campaign song for that? Santorum? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if, if you haven't listened to the Bugle podcast where they talk about it, another one of the conservative candidates had a rap song written, mm-hmm. which, which is awful. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I... I took back America, just like that song said, um, but I did it way before. Uh, that was popular. <laughs> back in uh, like episode 17 with Maps, Graham and I, we actually traveled from Ohio to Pennsylvania in three days, just walked. Actually, we didn't travel together. We walked with the same two people at two separate occasions. <laughs> And Graham and I were both the third wheels that did like a relay race, as they call it. But we didn't know that at the time. <laughs> now, looking back at it, that's how it happened. Walking gives you a more like intimate look at everything because it's such a slow pace. You are walking. It's not running. It's not on a bike. It's not on a train. You are just going as fast as you can walk. And without any real direction, we were just going east. <laughs> so we didn't really have much other than like by sunset we should find a place to stay so we had lots of room to go and explore and what i pretty much learned is that having that buffer or that margin around life it gives you a lot of flexibility as into what you'd get into without having like things booked up from the moment we started to the moment we ended we didn't have plan like oh we have to go here 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 if we don't do that then it'll screw up the rest of these two days. No, like uh, we could have done that, but having two or three hour blocks between those stopping points would have also been fine. Again, we didn't really plan. We were just going east. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was more like a life lesson. Uh, the people that we met were interesting to say the least. I'm 
curious, uh, one, I'm curious about some of the interesting people that you met, but I'm also curious, do you feel that like the time where you were hiking around or just sort of walking or riding a car or a bike or whatever you may have had at the time to sort of transport around, do you feel that during those times you were able to do a lot of reflection about something you had learned or talked about with one of those people that you met? Well, you definitely get to know the people that you're with. (laughs) Because you're stuck with them and you have to rely on each other and be like, hey, are you up for going this way? So it's more of just a bonding experience rather than a reflecting period. Also, I didn't have uh, an iPod or anything. They did. So while they were listening to music, I was listening to the sounds of cars go by. And uh, making up my own songs and making my own fun. Did, did you regret not having an iPod? Or um, So I don't think I'd regret it. I regret buying a bag that was not waterproof. Which, when you buy a camping bag from the camping aisle, I, I was just assuming that it was waterproof. <laughs> nope. <laughs> I feel like that's a good assumption. But apparently I was very, very wrong. And then I didn't know how to adjust the straps. Like they didn't adjust until like the last day they finally moved and it would have made my back so much better. So I guess it it told me more to like plan ahead, but also plan in such a way that you can have flexibility. Yeah. And not to make assumptions about the camping aisle. Yeah. Especially Walmart camping aisle. (laughs) (laughs) I was a high schooler on a budget. (laughs) All right. (laughs) We, we won't cast any judgment. Uh, in high school, we all made some mistakes. <laughs> I didn't make one perfect the entire time. Oh, cool. So, Sam, yeah. what was your travel experience in which you learned something? So, uh, I went to Japan mm-hmm. a few years ago mm-hmm. for many reasons. Oh. But I didn't really go there for what I got from it. So I went there to uh, ultimately see my best friend who lives there, who recently came back to the U.S., and you guys got to meet him, so that was pretty cool. But uh, I went there to see him ultimately, and I got to experience a completely different culture, something that I normally wouldn't do uh, in every day. Even though the U.S. is surrounded by all kinds of different cultures, we have the South, which is a little bit different than the Midwest, which is completely different than the West Coast, which is completely different than everything else. They're all just different. We're we're like a country of many different countries. A very diverse group of people live here in the United States. But in Japan, they're not really as diverse as we are. So they're all pretty much the same. There's different cities there, and everybody's kind of different. But they all have very similar personalities. They're kind of a hierarchy system. So the executives of companies are very well respected and everybody else kind of falls in line below that. And that's kind of just how their cultures run. So it's kind of weird experiencing that because here we, our people just absolutely hate the executives of the world and they don't really fall in line with most of them, not all of them. So it's kind of a different dynamic. Uh, in the Asian countries, everyone's kind of passive when it comes to things. One thing that I learned was sitting on a bus with Trevor and a few of his friends kind of just traveling through the city. 
we uh, saw some weird things where people just wouldn't go out of their way to help somebody else. Even if the person really needed help, like say an old person walking on to the bus, they wouldn't go and put their arm out and help them. They wouldn't kind of get up for them and let them have their seat. It was just really passive, like keep your head down. Don't don't be anything special. Just keep your head down and do what you have to do, which is completely different than in the U.S. You see a lot of people who will go out of their way to help others and get up out of seats for older people to sit down, but it's kind of different. So do you feel like traveling there and seeing those things, do you feel that made you learn more just about a different culture or did that teach you anything about yourself? It taught me a lot about myself. It literally completely changed my life. I started growing a beard. I decided that I wanted to travel everywhere all the time. I did have a beard before that, by the way, but I decided like I just won't ever shave it again. I don't know why I'm I decided that. Intrigued. <laughs> what, what, did the, what did the beard have to do with that experience? So being in Asia, people can't really grow beards. So you were very interesting to everybody. Being an American, you're kind of interesting. But if you have any other features that they just don't see in Japan, you're also very interesting. So that was kind of a different dynamic there. There's also no trash cans, public trash cans. So any trash you have with you, you will carry with you. Do you have a trash bag? You better have a backpack. I'm curious, do you feel you now travel with fewer things that are going to be waste? Uh, No, not really. I did for a little bit. I mean, in Japan, definitely. It was like, well, I'm not going to take that with me because I'll have to carry it for the rest of the time. <laughs> but yeah, not really. Okay. I didn't litter ever there. Not because there were strict like policies or anything against it. It just like, I just felt like the culture wanted this. So I did that. Here in the US, there's just trash cans on every street corner. The expectation yeah. that you'll have trash to get rid of. Yeah. And we, we also have place to store trash. Japan does not. Mm. So they're very strict on recyclables and burnables and everything else in between they have like four different trash cans at every every trash can is four separate trash cans and they have four separate companies that pick up these four separate trash cans and they go to four different places on the island that seems like a big job making business but no it but no it is no it is it is intriguing seeing how other cultures can sort of make you more aware not just of their like another culture, but also more aware of the nuances of your own culture. So like when I traveled through Europe after high school, which was like a sprint because I was playing music and we had to perform in like seven or eight countries within two weeks. So I only got like brief snippets, but it would made me realize like, okay, in sort of England, like it seems like everyone was just like on their way to do their own thing and didn't necessarily stop to talk to everyone. Whereas like walking through the US, I say hi and like nod and wave at people and I wasn't aware of just how much I do that until I was in another country. Um, so it is also intriguing how travel can teach us a lot about ourselves or about our own culture and, and point out those small details. Um, but since we are discussing traveling to other countries, luggage is a key part of that. And I believe that's what Sean's topic is going to be centered around. So Sean, do you want to segue into yours? Yeah. So with luggage, I, the reason why I bring it up is because I was just thinking, like, well, what does everyone usually have to do with traveling, whether wherever they're going? Uh, and it's usually bringing something with them. Uh, so the idea of like a container to transport belongings with you while traveling away from your home base, I think that's a, a nice uh, non-dictionary definition of a luggage. <laughs> 
Um, and there's a lot of luggage out there, like so much that it becomes mind numbing to try and pick out luggage. It's like a, if you go to the toothpaste aisle, uh, there's just, I don't know, there's like 50 kinds of toothpaste. Like, what, do you really need that many toothpastes? I don't. Yeah. yeah. No, no, you don't. Unless you, uh, I want to. Tell me if this is crazy. I know it's not, but tell me if it is. I, I want to buy one of each, mix them all up, and then have my own vat of toothpaste, and then retube them as my own brand for my own personal consumption. That way I have all the best of everything. I've, I've, I'm just waiting for that to be turned into the weirdest superhero origin story <laughs> that there's ever been. Yeah, it'd be like uh, Spice Girls, not Spice Girls. Jesus, uh, no, the Spice, what? Um, the other girls, Powerpuff, Powerpuff Girls. Yeah, yeah, like that. Except for instead of sugar and spice and everything that's nice, it's just uh, dentine and Crest and Aim <laughs> and Colgate. And you just have to make sure you match the colors on the bottom of the. Which hold on, out of curiosity, which toothpaste do you guys use? I, I'm I'm not really brand loyal. Okay. I actually I mix it up. Like I have one that's like cavity, and then one's whitening, and one's like tartar control, and then I just cycle through them because I'm like I want all of these. So I have like three open at some given time. Sometimes I just do one at a time, blank out a bottle, go to the next. Because what? Like why? Why would you just stick with one your whole life when you only get one benefit from that one thing? Also, Intriguing. I feel like it's more of like a psychological thing. Because how shouldn't they all? Roughly, if you put all of it's just like there's toothpaste. I, I think they do all do the same thing. They just advertise whatever thing they like, like add a gradient, like just a little bit more. Like it's hard to tell because it's not broken down yeah. as in like milligrams of everything. But sometimes I wonder if they also just take the same, like they have three bottles one that says like for tartar control, mm-hmm. one that says like to fight gingivitis, yeah. and the other is for whitening. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if it's the same thing just in three different containers and they're marketing to like whatever that person's biggest yeah, fear is totally also like a gender stuff like you can have make a pink one as stupid as that is but like that's what like marketers and product design people like oh yeah make it pink oh now yeah. girls will like it and then have you seen the thing where like pink products not the comen for the cure thing uh but just women's products in general they could be the same identical uh like deodorant but the women's size will be smaller and be more expensive so just buying women's size things are just more expensive overall. <sighs> yeah, I've I've several female friends that always just buy the guys' yeah. stuff, anyways. Um, and, and I'm I'm sure they would be happy to buy larger, manly looking luggage too if it was more convenient. <laughs> so to <laughs> segue segue I, I back into our topic. <laughs> I don't know. I'm really because with the also with toothpaste, like the travel size stuff with trips and luggage, you need if you're in America, at least the TSA, you need to put these in special containers and only these travel size toothpaste bottles. And then they have tubes. I think it's called like the goob tube. That's probably not the goob tube, but tubes that you can put your larger items and then squirt them into these smaller tubes so that way you don't have to buy travel size tubes but you buy buy reusable smaller tubes are you following me i only use lots of tubes i I, i'm following you for some reason that made me think back to the nickelodeon like 
ooze and slime <laughs> or whatever it was that they, they would pour yeah. on people. I think it's slime. Anyway, so with luggage, you have these tubes of toothpaste and nail clippers and scissors and knives and shirts and everything. But there's a lot that goes into what a piece of luggage can be. And it's a bit ridiculous. If you want, I can just rattle these off and then we can just go at it. Yeah. Okay. Rattle off time. Luggage. You can talk about the size. There's the physical size. That's like height with the dimensions of things. But then there's also the container size, the space inside the physical piece of luggage, which is of course smaller because there's a barrier between the inside and the outside. You need that wall, but the container size can be like just stupid. There can be small containers, uh, small little pockets or what have you. And then they can be too small or too big or too large and too like just right. It's like a, and it depends on what items you're putting in there. So if you have shoes and you have a tuxedo and things like that, you need a particular piece of luggage for that uh, to accommodate what you have. But then you also have to think about like accessibility. If you are traveling, how easy it is to get these things, whether they're deep inside or on the side with like easy access pockets. Um, also, you have to think about the materials, uh, whether they're waterproof, like I had talked about, or they're lightweight or heavy duty. If you're out in like sandstorms, what ha- I don't know what you're doing. Uh, <laughs> and then the exterior, that's the material. But the interior is also as well, because if you have something spill inside, how will that leak to the other compartments? I don't know. Straps. Will you put this over your eye shoulder? Will you have this like as a backpack? How heavy duty are the straps? Can you put things on the straps? Can you buckle other things? Are these expandable? You can have a carbiner thing or mine. Uh, my book bag has a beer can open opener thing. Also, what kind of trips are you on, going on? Lots of TSA thing. You have a TSA approved bag where you can have your laptop. Go whoop, whoop. Also, the number of trips you take within like a week, month, year. That also impacts like, is it lightweight? Do I have a nice thing where it's like with wheels and then another thing goes on top of that? It's like a little... I don't know, mini bag on top of the big bag and carry-ons. They have to think about that, which is crazy. And then the types of travel, which is like outdoor travel, business travel, backpacking around Europe. That's all different. Hitchhiking. You have to think about that. You get the little knapsack going around on the stick, uh, that bandana, or and then the storage after and before trips. What do you do with this luggage when you're done with it? And you're like, I'm in my house. Where does this live? Downstairs? Not until I have to travel in another three years. What do you do? I don't know, man. Then there's other kinds of things, like zipper quality. YYK, that makes all the zippers. You have to think about that. Like, what happens if the zipper goes wrong? What are the fail-safes? Can I use this bag if the zipper gets broken while it comes down the chute of the airplane? Uh, elevator, escalator, um, whatever it's called. And then warranty. Is it going to be worn out and it's going to suck? Or, uh, like, if the wheel breaks off, can you take it to a store? Or do you have to, like, call them? Or do they have worldwide service? <sighs> So that is my, I don't know what the showdown of things. Thoughts. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. I've never thought this deeply about luggage before. Um, So the, yeah, Sam does think a lot to these things. So I'm going to let him go last Uh-oh. actually because <laughs> mine mine is boring okay. and quick and and sam can get into this thinking to like what sort of my like favorite best design thing that you've have or not have or like you're like oh if i had money or i had to have it i'd get this thing yeah um and so mine is actually a messenger bag that i've had for a very, very long time. I think since I was like 17 or 18. Oh, one year. Um, 
And, and <laughs> <laughs> um, a little bit more than that. Um, but when I had decided to get that bag, um, it was still at the time in which nobody called them messenger bags. Everyone referred to them as man purses mm. and it wasn't like cool to have one. Yeah. Um, and so I had picked it up because it seemed like it was going to provide a lot of convenience and I've used it pretty much every single day since I had initially gotten it. Um, so the main reason for that is, which now I understand why, like when women shop for purses, they look for all these little tiny Mm -hmm. compartments. Some of them are just all about like the appearance, but those that are a little more utilitarian, like all the little various compartments and places that are specific for you to slide things into. And that has helped me like drugs. Yeah. Yeah. So all, all of my heroin <laughs> goes into one little pocket. Which one? I, I just, just for reference, not cause I want to know inside front half, right hand side. And then the Coke goes into the middle compartment. Cause it has like this zipper mm. that like sort of keeps everything packed in nice and tight. All of that sort of organization and ability to put things into a specific place makes it that when I am walking somewhere or at the airport and have to quickly grab something and then like, I don't even have to look at the bag anymore. I can just reach behind my back and pop open the clasp and know where to reach into the bag. And so that sort of like convenience and and organization was huge to me. And the bag is finally starting to deteriorate. So I'm in this like crisis moment where I'm now shopping for a new messenger bag. And I fear that I will have to learn a whole new way of navigating. And after eight or nine years of knowing exactly where to go for my heroin. Yeah, I think the easiest decision would just be not to venture outside. Just never leave your house again. Uh, yeah. As, as an introvert, I might be okay with that, but I travel too often with mm-hmm. Sam. Maybe have a little mobile like, home. Just live in a mobile home. House. That's, your, that's your luggage. Your luggage is your house. I do, I do want a tiny house. Me too. <laughs> but anyways, <laughs> Sam... Why don't you tell us about all of your crazy bag shopping experiences? Uh, So I do a lot of hiking and backpacking. And usually when you do hiking and backpacking, you take a backpack, a backpack, but you take enough (laughs) stuff with you to live out of this backpack or you have to live out of this backpack. So you have food, you have a change of clothes. Sometimes you have sleeping materials. You have shelter. Sleeping material. <laughs> materials, yes, because there's a lot to sleeping. It's like reading materials. That's so like <laughs> <laughs> you could bring reading materials too. I'm just thinking of all the materials in the world. Yeah, you. Yeah, my my reading materials go in the back zipper of my mm-hmm. messenger bag. Not to be confused with the front right side pocket. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's the heroin. <laughs> you have different things like you need food and water. Water yeah. is by far the heaviest thing that you're going to bring with you, so you have to account for that. Have- what kind of container do you have for your water? Uh, I have two Nalgene's. Sometimes I take four. And a uh, bladder. A bladder is collapsible. literally a bladder. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. It holds... Why don't you have water. lots of bladders instead of the Nalgene's? Because... Uh, Bladders are a lot more difficult to store. Oh, okay. You can fit them. Most most packs have a single bladder, but or space for a bladder, but they have things on the outside to hook different things onto, and that's where Nalgene's come in. You can just hook things on the outside. 
Oh, I'm not, okay, I guess I'm not thinking mm-hmm. about a bladder, but more of a cup that is like once you're done with it, it doesn't retain its shape. It's just like collapsible. Collapsible. So that way you don't have this big honking Nalgene bottle. Yeah. I'm just asking because I, I don't really camp. Yeah, Nalgene bottles are really good because usually you fill back up with water. You usually always okay. have water with you. Yeah. And uh, yeah. when you run out of water, you need a way to get more water. So you usually have some sort of filtration system to mm-hmm. filter still standing water or even sometimes running water. You usually have different utility things with you. So like hatchets to chop down wood, which goes into you need stuff to start fires. A lot of us aren't really good fire starters. So having other materials or we are really good fire starters. But when you're tired and stressed, it's not always that easy to start a fire. Yeah. Human bodies don't. They're not really the best fire starters. I agree. Yeah. I'm concerned how many times you've tried to start a fire with a body. Uh, just enough to learn. Just enough to learn. <laughs> you want to keep everything dry. None of these packs are dry, so you want to keep everything inside dry bags, inside of a bag. So it's a bag within a bag, and sometimes there's bags in there, so you have bags within Wait, a bag. Wait, why don't you have bags. a dry bag? You do have a dry bag, but the... It's inside of another bag that isn't dry? Yeah, why so wouldn't your you just have all dry bags? Your backpack isn't really waterproof. Most Water- of them aren't. You should read a... Uh, what? Into the woods. This is ridiculous. I I come. I had the assumption that like when you go backpacking, you'd have a waterproof backpack. Yeah, you typically because it's hard to cinch down everything in a way that would make it actually waterproof. So you would have a water resistant bag, and then with inside of that, you'll have what are known as dry bags, where you actually store everything. Blowing my mind. I didn't know this. Yeah, and then you'll have different things like straps on the outside where you strap different things to. Mm-hmm. You have holsters for many different apparatuses that you could take, like walking sticks or tents on the outside, which goes into the sleeping materials of a sleeping pad and a hammock, maybe, or a sleeping bag, or plenty of different things out there. You'll want to take plenty of towels or bandanas or just utility-type materials just for the whatever you need it for. Duct tape, you always want to take duct tape. Uh, duct tape sometimes you want to take uh, two or three pairs of shoes you want your camp shoes because you don't want to wear your hiking shoes at night you want those to dry out there's a lot of stuff you're just lugging yeah multiple pairs of socks it's pretty it's it's pretty intense uh i have a 65 liter bag or 75 liter bag that i take with me on weekend trips and that's about 2.65 cubic feet and it could hold i've had it hold up to 70 pounds of stuff I try to keep it around 35, but it could go up to 70 or probably even higher if I wanted it to. And you have all this on your back and you're walking with it miles upon miles. Do you have like a supporting packs, like one on your fanny? Yeah. So uh, the cool thing about the packs you will look into, you want to see what other things you can get from this pack because you can have a day pack, but that's just more weight you have to carry. So it'd be cool if your pack had like some sort of utility on it that you could unstrap it and then use that as a backpack for the day, which a lot of them mm. do. But some of them you still want to buy a day pack and you're just adding weight. It's all about counting ounces when it comes to backpacking and about keeping your hips and shoulders, knees and toes in good shape. So you want to use you want to use your hips more than anything. That's where all the weight on the pack you want it to be, which kind of goes into packing a pack there. You have to pack a pack correctly. 
or you're just you're gonna kill yourself. Yeah, go home, Jack. Yeah, don't want to come back. <laughs> oh, and also a stove. You'll need a stove. You might need some fuel if you can't do a fire, or even if you can do a fire, that's more for warmth. And then you uh, have a stove to cook food. Yeah, and my, my trip on Pennsylvania to Pennsylvania, we carried a, a pan, <laughs> just a just a frying pan, not a cooking like you just in the kitchen. You probably have a frying pan. That's what we took. And we <laughs> made the one guy, Tim, he had to carry it the whole time. And it was the bane of his existence. And we never used it. <laughs> and like halfway through, he was like, guys, I just, I'm going to throw this away. We're not going to use it. We convinced him, like, no, we will have to use the pan. And he hated us. <laughs> did, did you ever use the pan? No. <laughs> oh, that's the best. <laughs> I, I like how Sean's sort of backpacking and hiking experience is very, uh, like, I, I'm afraid to use the word hobo because I can come across no. as offensive, but very, like, slim and trimmed down, whereas Sam's is, like, artisan backpacking, oh, yeah. if no, you No, this was, like, we had the idea. We sort of planned it out. We had a, we typed up a list in Notepad. We printed it out, and then we checked the things off, and we went. Not a lot of research was done. Well, clearly Sam does a lot of research with his bags. Yeah, the trips I don't do any research on. The stuff I take with me, I do. Ah, he's the Pac-Man. But Sam, since we've been talking so much about like bags and gear, do we want to segue into your topic to discuss technology? I was gonna. Say, I was wondering how you were gonna do that segue. Not quite how I would have handled it, Brian. Well, I'm sorry. I, I did tried it to say. Than you. I said Pac-Man. <laughs> I was trying to help you there. That was mm. pretty good. That was actually a better mm. segue. Backpack man. Backpack. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> so technology is everywhere nowadays. I mean, technology is kind of a bland term anyway because it is not just like computers Digital and electronics stuff. and everything. Yeah, it's, it's, it's materials and just advanced yeah. stuff tools that we can use to further mankind the wheel is a technology yeah there's there's technology mm-hmm. everywhere the desk yeah. a piece of wood is a technology yeah. like there's there's we, yeah someone cut a tree down and then decided to make it into a a piece of wood yeah so yeah technology yeah technology's everywhere on the road technically but we're talking more about digital technologies here and how Technology has kind of got to the point where we can't do anything on our own. And you learn that a lot when you're planning a trip because you can kind of just go online and go to a blog or something and someone has a tramp trip already planned for you. Or look up all the destinations you want to hit and there's an algorithm out there that would tell you the shortest distance between all of them. So there's a lot of different things like that you can do. I'm just going to talk about a few things and then ask a question. There's mapping software, which we talked about in depth on episode 17. And I had the probably the most boring, unresponsive part talking about (laughs) algorithms. I'll never do that again. No, you can do that again. (laughs) Just no one will listen again. Yeah, just don't expect a different (laughs) response. And that's the definition of insanity. Keep doing the same thing and expecting different results. <laughs> but then we have GPS on top of this mapping software. So when we're live on the trail or live in the car going somewhere, GPS will tell us how to get there. There's entertainment software for the road. 
So all those cool games we used to play back in the day, like count the cows and all your cows die when you get to a uh, graveyard and then you get to keep all your cows or they all go to heaven. Hold on. Stop. Explain count the cows. So you count cows. I've never heard of count the cows. So there's a person on the right side of the car, a person on the left side of the car. You count all the cows on your side of the car. If you hit a graveyard, all the cows die. So all the cows you've counted are gone. <laughs> if you hit a church, all the cows go to heaven, and then those are like permanently banked. Mm, cool. So yeah, that's a game that we played as a child. There's the ABC game, which I've never... I've finished it in like 10 minutes every time we play that, so it's kind of a boring game. There's I Spy. There's all kinds of different road games. Well, with I Spy, I don't understand that in a car, because things pass by at such a fast clip. The only things that you're going to be talking about are the cars nearby you, right? Or the things in your car. I mean, there's a lot more in the world than cars. Uh, I don't know. I played I Spy a lot, but I do feel like it was a very short-lived game because we would quickly get upset because we could never see what the other person mm. was talking about. So I'm not sure how that ever stuck around as a like car game. Yeah. And then there was the state game where like you collect the license plates that like you as you see one from each state you check them off on your list actually my mom had this game and it's a genius game it's called silence in the courtyard it's uh this is how it goes it's a silence in the courtyard silence in the street the biggest fool in america is just about to speak speak fool speak and then whoever talks next is stupid it's just the quiet game <laughs> but it's a good Damn, par- damn parents. Yeah, it's a good way to get some kids to just stop talking. That is a pretty good one. Yes. But anyway. There are other things beyond entertainment in the car. And there's actually other things beyond the car. There's other things beyond actual travel, actually. Uh, and this is kind of getting into e-tourism. So e-tourism is started with audio guides for cities. So you'd go to a city, you'd go to the touristy people who are always really f***ing weird. And they would give you this little audio thing that you could walk around the city and listen to. And it would just tell you different things about the city, which they also use in actual tourists where they're walking around talking about cities. I know Brian and I have done this several times in Chicago. But those are starting to become a thing of the past because virtual reality is becoming a thing of the now. And we have things like... Google Expeditions, which they pseudo just announced, but it was a quiet launch a while ago uh, about virtual reality. So what it is, is in a classroom, you will have a VR headset, which would be probably Google Cardboard because it's pretty much free. And you would go on a field trip to somewhere that you couldn't take people normally, like to the bottom of the ocean or to Italy. We're talking kids here. You're not going to take an entire class to Italy. And they get to experience these different areas without actually going there. So we're starting to see a lot more in the e-tourism area. So with that, what kind of technology do you guys use to travel for planning or actually doing traveling or something that is loosely around the word travel? Uh, I'll take this. I guess uh, in the day-to-day sense, just getting from point A to point B within Columbus, I use an app called Transit. I use the bus now, got no car. Then I use Waze if I have in car because it it's more crowdsourced, like, hey, don't go this way. Uh, police are here. You can chat with other cars around you, which is pretty cool. 
then Cardigo app to reserve Cardigo cars if I have to go someplace where the bus isn't going or is not on time or anything like that. One thing that I know exists, but I forget the name of it, and I don't know if it still exists, was made by Google, and you could see the past. It was like Google binoculars, but not binoculars. It wasn't Google Glass, but you could see where you were and then see what it looked like in the past or the history of the area area that you're at. Does that ring a bell to anybody? It sounds familiar, but it mostly makes me think too, there are a lot of people that have been doing photographs where they take like an Mm -hmm. old photograph, travel to that spot and then take a picture like holding it up. So it lines up with whatever the current day is. But I do feel like I remember there having been something where you could sort of like hold up your phone and then see like it would sort of adjust what you're looking at on mm-hmm. screen to appear as if like that's looking through the phone into the past at that location. I mean, that's what I had in my mind. But Mr. Brian, I see you have uh, some things written here. <laughs> <laughs> he, th- that I do. So for me, I guess the key technology whenever I think of traveling is just my iPhone as sort of a whole and all of the things that you can accomplish within that. So it's my own personal Navi, like in Zelda, just a lot less annoying because it doesn't constantly talk to me and tell me to do stupid things. Um, and then my Apple watch now is sort of like Navi light, not to be confused with Natty light. Um, and those two things like it gives me access to GPS. It gives me access to a music player, the ability to call someone if I'm in an emergency, the ability to, with things like automatic that's plugged into my car, to know if a like service engine light comes on, what it is that needs to be done, how I've how been is driving. That? Just wondering, automatic. Uh, I like it a lot. Um, it has adjusted my driving a little bit, not on like long distance trips because I'm probably going to speed and it's going to yell at me, but sorry, it's going to happen. But it also gives me a lot of peace of mind knowing that if I were to get into an accident, uh, the automatic will sort of pop up on screen with a notification saying like, Hey, are you okay? And if I don't respond, then they will call a emergency service um, and send like 911 out to help take care of the situation as well as notify two members of my family to let them know that I was in an accident somewhere and where it was at. So like that peace of mind is also really nice, which is something that comes with these newer technologies in terms of travel. But like the iPhone is this sort of amazing hub that takes a whole bunch of devices that I used to have to travel around with and bundles them up into one small thing that I can keep in my pocket. API for life. Yeah. And and like also even thinking too, like I don't even have to interact like by touching the device anymore. I can just say, uh, I'm not going to actually say the phrase we'll steal from another, yeah, from another podcast and say, ahoy telephone. Um, that will then kick my iPhone into listening to me and I'll be able to ask it to read the last message that somebody sent me or to give me directions to a new place and to skip the next song or whatever it may be. Um, so it's starting to feel a little like Tony Starkish, where I have Jarvis around at all times that I'm able to communicate with. Um, so that is sort of amazing to me that all of that can be done. And then it can even be used to help. Like I remember at an Apple keynote, I'll have to look up what the name of the app was, but um, 
they mentioned a device that allowed those that are blind to hike. Um, and it would let them know like, all right, you're going to need to turn right here at this point on the trail. And so that they could go hike on their own and be safe doing it. Um, so things like that are, I think really amazing whenever we look to this technology and how it lets even those of us who normally wouldn't be safe traveling somewhere now be equipped to do it. Um, but Sam, what are some of the technologies that you use? A knife. (laughs) (laughs) That's always Uh, a good one. No, when I travel, I don't ever have anything set up. I literally get in my car and start driving. Uh, Every once in a while, I have a destination in mind, but most times I don't even go to that destination. I I don't know. I don't use a lot of technology on the road. I listen to music on my iPhone, and that's Mm -hmm. that's about it. Maybe if I need some food, and if I'm like car camping or sleeping in truck stops, I'll uh, use my phone to find food or the closest truck stop to stay in or a Walmart parking lot, which is a phenomenal place to sleep in. I see lots of Snapchats with you in a car, and it, I guess it could be a Walmart parking lot. It could be anywhere. <laughs> it could be your front yard. Mm, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, kayaks, I do that, so that's a like a technology. Before we had to swim, now we can boat. Hmm. Now we can boat. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, uh, did we come ashore? I, I believe, believe we have. Come ashore. I, I, I believe we've landed on the island of the final uh, thought. Yes. Let's put this yes. anchor down. Yes. So, Mr. Uh, Samuel Je- Jebediah Bantner, do you have I do. A final and actually, for us? Uh, you guys kind of gave it to me in the beginning. When you were talking about taking photos and how it's not always appropriate to take a photo, which reminded me of one of my favorite movies of all time, which reminded me of another quote from that movie. (laughs) Hmm. And that reminded me. And then that reminded me of what I did yesterday. And now the final thought would be beautiful things. Don't ask for attention. So that concludes the 26th episode of All of the Above. Thank you again for taking a listen. To find our show notes for this episode, hop on to alloftheabove.audio slash episode slash 26. And we'd love to hear your feedback. You can find every which way to get in touch with us by going to alloftheabove.audio slash contact. But uh, the easiest way to reach out is through Twitter, where we can be found at Above Podcast. Finally, it would mean a lot to us if you left a review in iTunes. To get there, you can just go to alloftheabove.audio slash review. We'll look forward to joining you all next week when we discuss fitness and exercise. In the meantime, go call off your work and take a spontaneous trip. Yes. And actually, before we go, there's a lot of reviews yeah. that exist that we just have never really like brought up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. I just want to say like, uh, there's like one, two, three, four, five. Well, four, <laughs> five. <laughs> one is me. So that doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah thanks uh, I think the 
best one might be Frank P Peterso Peterson without the N. I don't know. That's that's a curious podcast. He says it's a podcast where three people who come with their own interests try to pick apart big topics. Or is it? Lots of ellipses. They don't even all agree with what it is. This is like early days. And yet despite with this, the podcast seems to have a strong direction, whatever that direction may be. <laughs> Very <laughs> confident. Um, technology to Russian politics? The multiple directions the podcast takes makes it an entertaining and well-developed one with great potential. I'm looking forward to seeing how the podcast develops. Well, Frank Peter So, hopefully you're still alive and you have now lived your dream that you got mentioned on a podcast that you left your review on and five stars nonetheless so thank you thank you freak peterson yes son so <laughs> all right cool bye ciao see ya